0: Yo, welcome to episode 154 of the Zay Coleman Podcast. It's your boy ZCP from the 863, a.k.a. Zay Coleman. How you doing today? We got a packed episode. I feel like we I haven't said those words in about five to six months. Sip my water. I'm legit. This is probably the most packed episode we go, we've we had probably since, at, at bare minimum, since the free agency episode with Ryan. Y'all can check that one out. That episode was pretty fire. But... This one. I got some I got some things to get off my chest before uh before first of all, today is the official start of the preseason cuz it's the Pistons first game, baby. You already know we we ride for Detroit whether we suck or we're contending for an NBA championship. We ride for our team. But I do want to uh get into a few things before uh we we before we talk about uh, some of the games that I've watched in the first Three or four days of the season, of the preseason so far. The reason this episode is coming out late—if you get this episode at like nine o'clock PM, as of me recording this, it's currently like two o six PM Eastern Time. If y'all get this episode late, I wanted to record this episode late on purpose because of Russell Westbrook drama. Yes, the the I I believe he cleared out his Instagram, and I believe the shams that tweeted a couple days ago that. That uh, that Russell Westbrook was, or that the Lakers were trying to do a blockbuster trade to land Buddy Heald and Miles Turner from Indiana. Which, I mean, they should have did that trade three months ago, and we wouldn't have to worry about chemistry issues with the regular season starting two weeks from today. It's a, uh, it's it's funny when you think about it because it's about seven months ago, maybe we we made the... No, nah, it was before the trade deadline, so it was longer than that. Maybe close to, like, nine months. We made the joke of, is that 2027 uh, pick from the Lakers really that valuable? Like, it was... Because everybody was like, oh, Taylor Horton Tucker in the 2027 first-round pick for Buddy Heald and Jordan Clarkson. There was plenty of people that they were linked to, but... That in... The trade never really uh, came into fruition because those 2027 picks don't really mean anything. 2027, 2029, however, look really enticing. You no, know, now knowing that the Lakers are heavily set on getting all these veteran guys that are you know got a little bit of mileage on them and now probably won't be able to last till 2027, call Cough LeBron James. It's uh, it's funny that these picks are now like extremely valuable to the point where the lakers don't want to give up those picks. They're cool with anybody else giving up those picks, but the lakers don't want to give up those picks. And I I find that I find it interesting how the narrative has changed in the last couple of months, but even better is that they the pacers are in the conversation for like the ninth time in this summer. Like legit, I feel like every two weeks it was some sort of deal the that in the, the of the combination of Russ Taylor Horton Tucker, a couple of first round picks for either Buddy Hield or Miles Turner. Uh, Jalen Smith was throwing in, throwing in there because the Lakers wanted a young guy. Like they, they, even the Malcolm Brogdon thing was a conversation at the end, beginning of last year before he signed the extension. Like he was in the conversation. That conversation has started off like in the the early parts of last year with uh, with Indiana and the Lakers. So like like they have been trying to make these trades happen for a while chris duarte was even involved in in discussions as well like there were plenty of people in these laker pacers trade ideas that were very much rumored for at least eight nine ten months at this point which to be honest is not surprising at all like it's a it's very <laughs> it's a very uh situational thing uh when it can when it comes to um, when it comes when it comes to Lakers Pacers trade ideas, because again, those first round picks very much valuable, but we've got plenty of of other things to like. They the pace the Pacers have plenty more to worry about than those two first round picks and an expiring deal from of Russell Westbrook. The Pacers don't really care about cap space. That's why they're like not. They haven't already jumped at this trade because they're not a team that's really looking for free agents. They're a rebuilding team after all. So it's a it's an interesting price grab to say to say the very least, but now that we can div- uh, divvy away from the Lakers conversation, people are finally getting contract extension. I was it's, it was weird because it's like everybody got the the max extension and during free agency, and then contract negotiations stalled for a solid like month and a half, and now like Larry Nance Jr. was two uh, two year twenty one and a half billion. Um, Steven Adams was 2 years, $25 million. But the big one that I want to talk about, and I want to give my early congratulations to Jordan Poole, by the way. This one I want to talk about. Tylee Hero, four-year, 130 innings. Sips water again. I And this is why I'm congratulating Jordan Poole. Because of Tylee Hero, current six-man in the Miami Heat and based on what they've they've talked about and based on Jay Crowder rumors and all of that he might be on the trade block or sorry, not on the trade block. He probably will be the sixth man this year, sorry. But somebody that's going to be getting that bag and somebody who I think personally is better than Tyler Hero, Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is probably going to get that max, whether if it's from the Warriors or another team. He's going to get the four-year max. Is Tyler Hero getting that four-year max? He uh absolutely and again, this is no slight to Tyler Hero. Tyler is a really good basketball player himself. I'm not he he didn't get 130 million mil if he wasn't that good. But let's let's be honest here. Jordan Poole putting up better numbers on a championship team kinda kinda gives him a little bit of a leeway to is this a, hey, where's that five year 185? Because or, or I, I don't think he's, I think he's eligible for like 170, but hey, where's that five-year 170? If Tyler Hero's getting this money and I'm better than him, why not get that, why not get that money? Like why not go get the five-year 170 or I think it's what he's uh, eligible for because of the ring and you know, he meet, met certain requirements. So it's a, like I said, that's a viable conversation for him to have um, when it comes to negotiation, with uh, negotiation uh, tactics with Bob Myers, which Bob Myers, who's, Open, he's been public saying that he's not willing, he's w- absolutely willing to uh, throw in, he's willing to go absolutely over the tax, even over the hard cap. He will pay out of his own pocket just to keep his guys. This season is going to be a, a, a true testament whether Jordan Poole is that is going to be what quote unquote one of his guys or not. Because obviously, he's been open to paying Dre, he's been open to paying with uh Clay and Curry. Uh, of course, he paid, uh, he. Gave Gavon Ludi the extension this off season. Um, James Wiseman is going to be up next season. You know, a couple, a lot of even like they thinking two years down the line. Guys like Kuminga is going to be up. Moses Moody is going to be up. There's plenty of guys on this Warriors team that's this contract. Even Wiggins is a, um he's got an expiring this year. Like he, there's plenty of of mo, of momentum to be had with like with a lot of these dudes wanting the contract extensions because. Every single one of these dudes contributed to a championship team. You know they all have at least a little bit of a, a a little bit of a, a grasp of hey, If y'all not gonna pay me, I know another team's going to. Another team will pay me if y'all not paying. So that's gonna be something to watch out for for sure with Jordan Poole. But absolutely congrats to Tyler Hero. Really good season. Will probably have another really good season this year. It's just uh it's just it's it's uh it's interesting. Something else that happened, I believe, the same day of the podcast, but it uh, it happened after we stopped recording. The Blake, the sorry, the Boston Celtics signed Blake Griffin, which I I thought was an interesting uh an interesting pickup. Like obviously this is likely because of losing Gallinari potentially for the season, but also like a very it's a, an interesting uh grab because again. It's a low risk high reward. If it's, you know, if he doesn't pan out, he's on a minimum contract. It's not like a a huge loss for them. But if he turns out that he's is he's okay and he looks at similar to Pistons Blake. I'm not I know he's not going to put up 25, let's be honest. But like if he if he looks healthy, if he or if he looks more like first year in Brooklyn Blake Griffin as opposed to last year Blake Griffin. Then by all means, this he's going to be. This is going to be a, a W pickup from Boston. He could potentially get another contract somewhere else. This is a absolute pretty, um, pretty chill move from the Boston Celtics. Like I said, it was a it came out of nowhere for sure. But I'm I'm not too I'm not too uh, disappointed in the pickup at all. Something else to watch out for today, boys. We're finally getting the the two the top two first round picks, uh, basically for next year. I think it's a lock at this point. Uh, like uh, Victor Womayama and Scoot Henderson going to be playing today. The G League Ignite, uh they got the, uh, a game against Victor Womayama's team. And I'm pretty sure this is an ESPN game, actually. So I'm probably going to be checking out. If the if the preseason games are a bit, a bit of a disappointment, that's probably going to be a game i tune into. I'm going to probably be tuning in anyway, probably, you know, through certain third-party scenes or whatever. But for sure, this is going to be uh, an absolute, absolute banger of a of a of a, a game for sure. Like I said, two basically I, I think it's it's safe to say that it's a top it's top two at this point. Those two Scoot and, and Victor One by Yamba are definitely going to be the top two guys. But absolutely um this is gonna be a it's gonna be a fun game for sure. Even if even if it's you know a little bit on the lopsided side it's still gonna be fun. Now I stalled all for about 10 15 minutes. Let's get into the real conversations, baby. First off, can we have a conversation on why every single preseason game, the, at least the ones that I've watched, uh, other than the the Blazers Clippers game last night, every single preseason game has been like a thirty point blowout. The first one I tuned into was the Hornets and the Celtics. Well, the f- first first ones I tu- I tuned into the ones on uh on Friday, of course, the the Warriors and Wizards, and uh. And then the Spurs and the uh, sorry, and the Grizzlies and the Bucks the Grizzlies and the Bucks was a pretty close game the Warriors and Wizards was actually pretty fun uh, both the games actually but the Hornets and the Celtics forty point game the Raptors and the Jazz was a thirty two point game the Rockets and the Spurs was a thirty eight point game the Sixers and the Nets was a little bit closer it was a nineteen point game the Magic and the Grizzlies was a twelve point game and then the Kings and the Lakers last night was a thirty point game tell me why all of these games are funny. It, it's funny to me because, again, the Lakers, I believe the Lakers are up at like right, like 10 in the first quarter or something like that. They're 8 or 10 in the first quarter. It was just, they had a sizable lead. Tell me why I believe I had went... I don't even remember where I went last night. I think I went... I probably went outside or something. And I come back, and the Kings are up 20! I'm like, what happened in the... Again, maybe like 7... I don't even say seven, maybe like ten to fifteen minutes. Where like the Kings just went ridiculous in the third quarter, and it continued in the fourth. Yes, I watched the fourth quarter, but what like where? How how did this happen? Literally, how did this happen? And it's not like nobody like just one specific person on the Kings was going off. Like the leading scorer of this game was Keegan Murray had sixteen. And then Rashawn Holmes and De'Aaron Fox each had ten, and I think everybody else was in single digits. But it's like, where? What? What happened in this little time that the? And it wasn't even like the Lakers weren't playing their guys. Like the guy, the two guys with the most minutes on this team was um, Russell. Was sorry, was Max Christie and Juan Kind Anderson. Guys who's going to be legitimate players in this rotation. Damian Jones, who probably will start this year. Like in in real time, will probably start of course and, like everybody played double digits on this on this Lakers team you know AD Bron Russ Kevin Ken, uh, Kendrick Nunn played north of 20 minutes like this team they legit were playing their guys and they just got smoked LeBron James I don't think even made a field goal in this game it was like 0 for 7 from from the field and 0 for 4 from 3 or something like over oh, for 3 from 3 or something like that and it was like Russell Westbrook, the, the shot mechanics that they were trying to hype up the offseason, that they all oh, they changed the shot mechanics oh they here's the hype video for us hitting jump shots in the gym. You saw none of that in this game. And again, I love I love this part of the season because we're already already overreacting to one preseason game. But my favorite is overreacting of preseason games because it's the Lakers. The Lakers are like we got a rejuvenated Russ, we got a a healthy Anthony Davis, which well spoiler Anthony Davis had a double double in what 18 minutes, 19 minutes he played. But it's a uh, it's it's not like that's that's not gonna cut it. Again, it's the Sacramento Kings, who by and large are probably a team that probably won't make the play-in this year. That's just a a relative a relative understanding that the Kings probably won't be great this year. I think they'll be solid. They'll be a fun team to watch for sure, but I don't think they're gonna be a team that we're looking at come April and May where they're gonna be a playoff team. But this is a team that they got smoked by, like, the third string. They got smoked by, like, Quinn Cook and Matthew Delevedova and Alex Lynn, Sam Morrell, Malik Monk, Terrence Davis, Kent Bays. Like, bro, they got smoked by the little end of the bench. my Keita, Shamizi Metu, one of my guys. I told y'all, y'all, if you've listened to the podcast for longer than probably six, eight months, y'all know that Shamizi Metu was one of my guys last offseason. Like, and again, it wasn't the king starters. Kevin Herter had, what, five points, 14 minutes. Sabonis, four points, 15 minutes. Casey O'Pala, who oddly enough started, had two points in 10 minutes. Harrison Barnes, four points to 16 minutes. It was not the starters. Keegan Murray off the bench. Rashawn off the bench. Malik off the bench. Alex Lynn off the bench. Sam off the bench. Ken Bajemore. Shimizy Betu all off the bench. You know, Mike Kessa, like, literally everybody off the bench was the reason that the Lakers was get, got bust by 30 points in the preseason. And, again, it's not going to mean anything because, like I said, the Rockets won a preseason game by almost 40. They're not going to be good this year, obviously. The Thunder won a preseason game against the Nuggets. not going to mean anything, obviously. But the just the, even watching the game, the Lakers did not look good last night. They did not, and, again, I understand first preseason game, you know, half this roster is new. So that makes all the sense in the world. But this is the exact same conversation we had 365 days ago. Where the Lakers was like, oh, it wasn't even that. People were legit saying, oh, it's not an overreaction. It's a, an, it's an overreaction that they're zero six in the preseason and they didn't look good in any of those games. People, people were clowning me because I was saying that this Lakers team wasn't good. And then when I came back in April and the Lakers were eliminated from playoff contention, then people was looking at me like, I was like, oh, Dags, you, you man, I can't believe you called that. I can believe that I called that because I watched from game one of the preseason to game six of the preseason in game one through 82 of the regular season and knew that this team sucked. And again, and again overreactions. These are just overreactions to the first preseason game. We got five more, and then we're going to have an 82-game regular season slate where all of this teams is going to be healthy, and they have a defined rotation. I understand that. But in the first 48 minutes that I've watched of a Laker basketball, this team ain't good. And it doesn't help that your third best player, whether you want to admit that he is or not, your third best player is in trade negotiations, or you're actively trying to trade him for two dudes who don't know Darvin Ham or the Lakers system. I don't understand. I don't know how, how. Wait, what is the, the ceiling of Miles Turner's 40 games Is he's going to play because he and Anthony Davis are probably the two most injury-prone bigs in the league at this point. Let's be honest here. And Buddy Heal shooting 37, 38-ish percent from three. I don't know how much that's going to help. It'll, it'll help a little bit. But does this make the Lakers a top seven team in the, in the West? Probably not. No matter how much Russell Westbrook um, haters will like to say, Russell Westbrook is valuable to this team. In the right role, he is absolutely valuable. But what I saw last night wasn't a valuable role, Russell Westbrook. That was, a, that was an embarrassment. A couple other teams I want to talk about that uh, took an absolute embarrassment due to the first uh, couple of days of the preseason. The Phoenix Suns. And, again, I'm not going to be one of those teams like oh guys those are like, oh, you lost to a team that plays in the NBL. You're not even, you lost to a team that's not even the NBA team. Guess what? The Adelaide 36ers, yes, I understand last year they weren't good because they dealt with a whole host of injuries. But this is a team that's actively been one of the best franchises in in – the outside the United States for the last 10 years you could pick two or three different NBA players in the league currently and they've played for the Adelaide 36ers they came through the Adelaide Thirty uh, Six 366 season uh, series, uh system and even uh in the Kings Lakers game we uh watched I believe I don't I can't, remember, I can't remember who made the the comment from the one of the Lakers commentators I don't know them by heart but they uh, mentioned that like the Lake, the Adelaide 36ers system, that Australian system, guys usually go through uh, that to St. Mary's, California College and straight to the league. Matthew della is the, the reason why they talked about it last night. Uh, Patty Mills had through that same system. Ben, ben, even though Ben Simmons didn't go through um, St. Mary's, he went through LSU. Through that same system, Joe Ingles, through that same system, Matisse Thibault is even on record saying that if he wasn't in the NBA, he'd go play for the like LA 36 years. Obviously, why? Like, this is a, a legitimate franchise. It's not like a, a t- 2K-created franchise and they just they um, went through the, quote-unquote, the basketball tournament to get to the NBA. No, they, these are guys that have played NBA Minutes. Craig Randall has played NBA Minutes. Robert Franks has played NBA Minutes. Uh, Tony's Cleveland has played NBA minutes has been on an NBA team that was in the playoffs. Shout out to the 2020 Dallas Mavericks. Like these are dudes that play have played on the legit franchises and don't be like, I'm not surprised that they, like they beat a team that's currently in shambles right now. Let's be honest as Phoenix Suns are in shambles. Jay Carter requesting a trade. DeAndre Ayton said one word. The, sorry. they said one word the entire time um, since media day. Devin Booker is uh, quote quoting um saying all, all the people who watched them fail. Yes, we watch you fail. Be honest, we watch you fail. I'm sorry, bro. Chris Paul is currently 37, about to be 38 years old, starting point guard with a whole host of injuries throughout his NBA career. The, this this team has little to no going for it. And again. Th- at this point, we have zero expectations of the Suns. They're probably a fifth, sixth seed, first-round exit. Basically, the Utah Jazz were like three, four years ago. A team that we look, look like they were on the rise could never get over the home. You blow it up. You go get as many first-round picks as you possibly can. I'm sure Devin Booker would love to go play in Minnesota, even though they probably don't have the picks after Rudy Gobert trade. I'm sure he'd love to go play with Colin Thieb Towns and D'Angelo Russell. They were basically trying to set that up anyway, but two weeks their own, um, I'm I'm sure Deion Jaden would probably want to go back to Indiana. Maybe a signing trade for Miles Turner at this point, because it's a it's a it's a cold world out here, bro. The this the Suns suck. I'm I'm just gonna put it out there: this, the Phoenix Suns are absolutely god awful. Couple people I also want to talk about. Can we please speak on Ben Simmons? Finally, and again, understand: 19 minutes, simple sample size. Ben Simmons looked pretty good last night. I actually enjoyed the Brooklyn Nets last night, and it was—it's a weird statement to make because like uh, the Brooklyn Nets basketball has, has been a heavy disappointment for the last, God knows how long, probably three, four, five, six years at this point. Outside of the the one playoff run with D-Lo. but the like this—it's been a pretty disappointing franchise. The Ben Ben Simmons last night for the, the again the little bit he, he did play. They look solid. Granted, they lost and lost pretty big. But he looked like he looked, I wouldn't even say look like old he looked like rookie Ben Simmons as opposed to the Ben Simmons we were clowning in the playoffs eighteen months ago. He looked different. He he looked again, it wasn't he and I don't think he didn't take a three-pointer, but he looked, he just he it felt different. And maybe it's just, you know, absence make the heart grow fonder. But he didn't look like a bum out there, which is all I really wanted. Uh, just just make sure you belong. You look like you belong out there. And that's what he did. Again, and a, a lot of this is a testament to his you know, first game preseason, going against his old team, not in the city, but against his old team nonetheless. And he looked okay. Now, the real star of this game, Tyrese Maxey. I know context matters. Joel didn't play. James didn't play. PJ didn't play up, uh, I don't think either, but Tyrese Maxey looked good, bro. He he looked like an MVP candidate out there in the 14 minutes he did play, which, if Tyrese Maxey is playing like this the entire, the, the entire season, 76ers are competing for a championship. They're in the finals. If Tyrese Maxey is playing like this, because James Harden, he's going to give you whatever. Joel, is going to give you whatever. He's going to give you MVP level numbers. PJ is going to give you defense, Tobias there is going to give you that 16 17 points a game. And that's basically it. If Tyrese is looking like this while playing with those guys. It's a rap, bro. What is a what is a bench if you need if you have five starters that good? The bench the bench is almost unnecessary. I know it's a bit of an exaggeration, but he looked good. That he looked Great out there, and again, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure, pretty sure he's not gonna play like this the whole season. That's just a uh, an educated guess from uh with a almost legitimate backing behind it. But by- oh, by the way, I completely missed this: that Evan Mobley will miss uh, one or two weeks with an ankle sprain. It was soon. Um, but yeah, it was a it's a it was weird that like the 76ers didn't want to play their guys. Again, totally understandable, but like almost every other team was trying to get they got their guys in uh trying to get conditioned and the 76ers is like you know what we're going to play uh Fred Court 20 minutes tonight just because just because uh we'll play um Jaden Springer and Isaiah Joe and uh Charlie Brown Jr. that like you know and again perfectly understandable I absolutely understand that whatsoever but you know you know I, I just wanted to see the boys out there like James, I want to see James play see if he really did lose 100 pounds quote unquote um, Joel Embiid. I want to. I want to see that. Now, probably the best. <laughs> and again, it's, again, first four days of preseason. So, like, who really cares? But probably the best. Uh, games. The two best games, honestly, from this. Uh, from the first few games, from the first few days, have been the two Warriors Wizards games. Wild to say. But it looked like the legitimately, the two two games between the Wizards and the Warriors were probably the first, the, the two best games. Maybe the Grizzlies and the Bucks from Saturday. That was actually a pretty fun game. The Grizzlies' comeback was actually kind of inspiring to watch. Shot as Kenny Lofton um, And Kennedy Chandler also. Kennedy Chandler had a really good game. But, or just, he, like I said, just from the eye test, he had a really good game. But Warriors, Wizards, probably the two best games. And again, a lot of it had, maybe it had to do with the, the atmosphere, you know, them playing in Japan. Might have been the, the big the you know maybe they wanted to show out for the Japanese hopeful, but it was actually a genuine like good games and, and like c- competitive games that, that. Like granted, you know you knew the Warriors were probably going to win those, but they stayed. The Wizards didn't give up. It's not like they were. You know, they was like they like they tried to win those games. And again, shout out to Rui, uh, especially in the first game. Rui Rui looked amazing, bro, and he looked like somebody that I would have paid those that money to. Um, that the uh, the there's not not max money again. Don't want to be ridiculous now, but like I'm not like I, he looked like somebody I'd pay 15, 18 million dollars. Like he, I'd give him Golden Johnson money. I'd give him the the four year 80 million dollars. Like that's a reasonable deal from from what I've seen. Granted, the first couple of games for Willie more, which not a lot, but for the most part, pretty solid. He looked he looked like somebody I would have paid that money to, and. Perfectly reasonable for uh for Rehatch because real this Wizards team they have it has potential it, they, there's some potential there. Granted, no uh no Bradley Beal in there. I believe uh I believe he he is dealing with I believe he's dealing with an injury. But like I said, in in the the absence of Bradley Beal, they have looked really really good as a basketball team. And I hope that continues with Bradley continues with Bradley Beal. Currently. Um, there are a few games uh on tonight. Um, I think four, yes, four. Um, the Pistons and the Knicks, of course, we talked about earlier. Probably the best game of the night, the Timberwolves uh versus the Heat. I think that's going to be a, a an interesting game to see who uh, Miami runs at the four uh four just to start for the preseason. Um, the Pelicans and the Bulls also uh, play tonight. Sucks that Alonzo's not playing, and probably won't play for the next first couple months of the season, but. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. And in the late game, uh, two I guess two teams you would say it's in rebuild mode. And one's definitely in rebuild mode. One should be in rebuild mode. But um, the Jazz and the Blazers, this was this should be a, a fun game too. Um, I actually didn't get to ch- uh, check out a whole lot of the Clippers uh, Blazers game just because I was watching the Kings Lakers uh, downfall. But uh, the, the Blazers and the Kings looked like they had a good, pretty good game. I watched the the quiet interview afterwards where it was like. Um, he uh, he was, he was asked, "Do you think uh, do you think you had butterflies uh throughout the first game of the year?" And he was honest. He was like, "Nah, not really. <laughs> like, I like I wasn't I wasn't really too nervous about playing for the first time in what a year and a half." So like it, like, and again, that's, that's a reasonable answer from Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard has been in. My bad for y'all. Golly. I don't know why that was playing in the background but anyways um it was a a pretty reasonable answer cuz it's like Leonard has been in in the highest of high stakes he's been in the NBA finals he is a former finals MVP I don't think playing in the you know game one of the preseason after a, an injury which he's done that before he did it in, in in Toronto where he was coming back from injury but like I don't think this was a, a too big big of a um a, a Big situation, because like, again, at the end of the day, it's preseason. Like, and again, I know we're supposed to be overreacting to preseason games, but for the most part, this is a it was it's been a pretty pretty interesting day, like a, or a pretty interesting um, um, week for Koala. Because, like I said, the Clippers, the Clippers have probably been my favorite team to watch the throughout the journey of a preseason so far. Like between media day and all of the the you know the 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 pre and post game stuff, and even during like watching. And the little bit of the game that I did watch, this looks like it's a pretty fun team to watch, bro. I've, I'm I've thoroughly enjoyed this team. They okay? and again, I hope I hope for just for my sake, John Wall and the boys can get a ring because, like I said, I'm genuinely interested to see what they do with their uh with their young core or with their core in general. So I want to get into something a little bit uh just a little bit just off the cuff um. Today, the NBA GM surveys came out. My yearly favorite thing to overreact to, probably more than anything. Predictions Um, basically is just like, you know, they they interview 30 GMs around the NBA, and they think who would be the, the guy that they would go basically, whatever, what decision based on a, a litany of questions they do to predict, just as a prediction of what, what they want for, uh, what, what would they do as a GM in the NBA, which, of course, they're GMs, so Naturally, they're probably the smartest people to make this decision. This one, who will win the 2023 NBA Finals? 43% said the Bucks. 25% said the Warriors, 21% said the Clippers, and interesting, 11% said the Boston Celtics. I'm not, honestly, those are just the, those are the top four. Cool. Top four. That's relatively what I say. Last year was, <laughs> that was funny. Last year was the Brooklyn Nets at 72%. See so yeah, that was a pretty, yeah. Let's just say they failed that one last year. Um, West, sorry, the Western Conference rankings—they they predict. Well, this was—I believe this was last year. It was Clippers, Warriors, Suns, Nuggets, Grizzlies, Dallas, Minnesota, Lakers, and Pelicans as the top nine. That's like I think most likely to win a championship. This one, who will be the 2023 Kia MVP? This one, I'm not going to spoil who my MVP is because. I still had the episode planned for the night of the NBA season starting. But number uh number 1 48% Luka Doncic, number uh uh 48% is Luka Doncic. Number 2 at 34% Giannis Antetokounmpo. 3 Joel Embiid at 14%. 4 Steph Curry at 3%. Last year Kevin Durant at 37%, which he was kind of he was close. Like I feel like if he didn't get injured, he probably would have been the MVP to be honest. If you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player to the NBA, who would it be? 55% said Giannis, 45% said Luka. Those are probably the the two options. If we're all being honest here, those are the the absolute two uh, options. I don't I don't think anybody else would you would pick over anybody. Like I said, Luka and Giannis are definitely the two conversations to be had there. Which player forces opposing coaches to make the most adjustments? I feel like this this question is the probably one of the more easy ones. Number one, Steph Curry, fifty two percent. That's kind of obvious. Number two. Two, there are two players tied here with Giannis and Nikola Jokic at fourteen percent, and then the other two are two players tied at seven percent: Joel Embiid and Luka Doncic. I don't think you really got a game plan for somebody like Joel Embiid from or make it a, a huge adjustment for Joel. Embiid. You just double te- like him and Luka are just two guys who double team and you give up Luka and make give up the ball, make them give up the ball. Giannis is not the guy because he's just going to bully you, so you have to count that. With somebody who's strong enough to to handle Giannis Antetokounmpo and Nikola Jokic, he's just like the highest IQ player in the game. So like this, that one's that one that one is a that that one should be that that definitely should be up there. But yeah, let's be honest. Steph Curry is number one. Like that's that's like that's probably one of the easier ones. Which players most most likely to have a breakout season? Now the NBA has a different. uh, I guess you could say a different. Uh, criteria, I guess, is the word I want to use. Then what I use for my breakout players. But spoiler alert: episode one hundred and fifty was a breakout players. Y'all should go check that one out. Which players most likely to break out this season? They have Evan Mobley at twenty one percent, K Cunningham at seventeen, Anthony Edwards at seventeen, Zion at fourteen. I don't know how much else Zion's got to break out. The also receiving votes. Anthony Davis has. His, what is y'all's criteria or definition of quote unquote breaking out? That's the question I want to ask. What is y'all's? St- because, like, guys like Jalen Green, Tyrese uh, Halliburton, maybe Jonathan Kuminga, I understand those. Ben Simmons, like, Franz Wagner, I understand. Anthony Simons, maybe I kind of somewhat understand. Anthony Davis is an, he's a former NBA champion, like, eight time all star. Like, what is it, the definition of breaking out with Anthony Davis? Is it him just staying on the floor and averaging Anthony Davis numbers? That's not a breakout season. That's just him having a good season. That's an average season for Anthony Davis. 23 and 10, 25 and 10-ish, Anthony Davis. That's not breaking out. That's just him having a good season. I I don't that that's such a weird thing. Like breakout is usually like a guy that, yeah, he's solid, but I think there's he's got two or three more steps to take. Before he reaches that that elite level, Anthony Davis has been credited for being a top three, top five player in the NBA when healthy. Like that's a lot of people are on record saying that. <laughs> number one, number one was Jaron Jackson Jr., by the way. Well, shot at the Jaron Jackson Jr. Get well soon, bro. Who's the best point guard in the NBA? Is the next question. 72% Steph Curry. It says Steph Curry. Let's be honest. That's, like, that's the answer. 14% said Luca. 10% said Chris Ball. 3% said Trey Young. I don't know who said Trey Young or Chris Paul, but yeah. Next, best shooting guard in the league. For people who like y'all really y'all really need to give y'all a definition of who is a shooting guard cuz Luka Doncic can't be on the point guard list, shooting guard list and small forward list. And Kevin Durant being on the small forward and power forward list. Um LeBron James on the small forward, power forward list. Like come on now. Giannis on the power forward and center. Like come on, bro. You need give set positions, bro. Like get this is confusing and shit to me. Devin Booker is forty five percent. Luka Doncic twenty eight percent. Steph Curry is a shooting art. Come on now, bro. Let's be. Ugh. Jason Tatum shooting. Okay, all right. We're gonna get. Th- we're skip the positions because that's just annoying, bro. Highest position. Uh, highest percentage of total votes on position. Uh, questions. Giannis at eighteen. Steph at eighteen. Uh, Jokic at sixteen per- or percent. I'm saying this. Uh, Luka Doncic twelve percent. Kevin Durant ten percent. Cool. Anyways, next best offseason season moves. Uh, best overall moves this offseason season. forty-one percent is the Cavaliers, which agreed and sort of disagree. I think Minnesota probably should have been number one, but Minnesota is number two. Uh, thus far with this, um, Don, getting Donovan Mitchell and uh, Ricky Rubio back. Uh, Raul Neto, Robin Lopez. It's a pretty. It was a pretty okay offseason for the Cleveland Cavaliers, if I do say so myself. But um, I think the moves that Minnesota made this offseason, like I think I think they just got the b- better personnel. Like I said, Rudy Gobert. I think it was more, more of a valuable pickup, in my opinion. Then they ended up getting guys like Brent Forbes and Austin Rivers to the shape Kyle Anderson and shape up the roster. And I think those moves were just slightly better than the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's just a me thing, though. Philadelphia, getting 17%. P.J. Tucker was an absolute big get for them, but uh, yeah. And even Utah being up here is actually low-key w too. Boston Celtics, Malcolm Brogdon was a good pickup, but... Overall, yeah. okay, Kings. Sure, um, which one player acquisition will be the big make the biggest impact? Shocker, the two Utah Jazz trades: Donovan Mitchell being number one at fifty nine percent, Rudy Gobert being at thirty one percent. Those are the two obvious answers. Jalen Brunson being seven percent in New York, I find interesting too because biggest impact is to me. I assume leads to wins. And I don't think the New York Knicks are going to be winning a whole lot this year. And PJ Tucker on the 76ers, I think, is a good pickup. Number one, <laughs> number one last year was Kyle Lowry at seventy seven percent. That does not hold up in the least, which unfortunately is unfortunate because injuries are injuries are crazy. You can't never, you can never, you can't ever predict injuries, but it's just a just a funny thing to look back on what a year from now. Next. Most underrated pickup. This was my favorite one because I I love anything underrated ever. Because something it, unless it's not underrated and people call it underrated, then I get annoyed by it. But number one, Malcolm Brogdon going to the Seventies uh, to the Celtics. I wouldn't say number one quote unquote underrated because that was a pretty big pickup for them. PJ Tucker and John Wall tied at fourteen percent. Again, John Wall I wouldn't say is a quote unquote underrated pickup. Like John, even PJ Tucker was heavy, heavily publicized. Like the D'Anthony Milton going to the 76ers, I thought was an absolute amazing move from them. Like that was a a really nice trade, and again, that went pretty under the radar because not a whole lot of people talked about it. And same with uh Detroit getting Boyan McDonald's. I know that sounds kind of biased for me being a Pistons fan, but Boyan McDonald's was an eighteen point per game scorer last year, who played really, who was a really good shooter. Not necessarily the best defender. No, I was never a fan of his of his defense, but. Shooting wise, he said W pickup, especially for a team like Detroit who desperately needs shooting. Um, sorry, uh other people, people receiving rece- 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 other people receiving votes. Uh the, Will Barton and Monte Morris going to the Wizards, Kentavious Caldwell Pope going to Denver, Rudy Gobert going to the Minnesota Timberwolves again, underrated player acquisition, really. Anyways, Jeremy Grant going to <laughs> sometimes i just think it's teams voting for their other for their own players at this point. Because like I said, Jeremy Grant and Rudy Gobert were not quote unquote underrated player acquisitions. Those are heavily publicized. Kevin Herter going to the Kings, that's a that's a good option there. Royce O'Neal, Brooklyn Net, going to the Brooklyn. And the Brooklyn Nets not trading stars. I think that's the those are pretty underrated um acquisitions, I'd I'd say. Or at pretty um underrated. Uh, you know decisions made in the off season. Those are Larry Nance Jr. going to Portland last year was uh, received the most votes at twenty eight percent. He did not last half a season in Portland, which that's a a funny uh funny little thing to uh, to see there. Um, mo- team that'll be most improved in twenty twenty one Clippers. Yeah, I guess you'd put up there. Um, guess I guess get from what like, play in team to potential contender just with. The, one, two, or two guys getting healthy. That's basically what it is. The Cleveland Cavaliers at 17%, New Orleans at 17%, and Minnesota at 10%. All W's. I absolutely can see all of these teams, um, most three of them just from being healthy, and another one just from having like two of the probably the better acquisitions in offseason. So, absolute W moves. Also receiving votes, to Brooklyn Nets, the Detroit Pistons. This is a genuine surprise to see on this list, honestly. Like, yeah, we got a we got a better team than we did last year, but I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't expecting a, a huge jump. But people think that the Pistons are going to be the most improved team. The Portland Trail Blazers makes sense. Sacramento Kings also makes sense. What's the most surprising move of the offseason? Rudy Gobert to Minnesota was number 1. That it makes sense. These two top top 2, Donovan Mitchell the Cleveland and Rudy to Minnesota, those make sense because Minnesota and Cleveland were not the two teams we thought were like Rudy Gobert, a lot of people was thinking like Atlanta, maybe Boston. Um those are probably the teams. People were rumored the Warriors, but realistically, that wasn't happening. Um, th- those are the, the, the two teams we kind of expected. Maybe in the slightest, it may be a sign and trade with, with uh with DeAndre Eight. That was probably the closest thing we were going to get. But like, like those are the, the those are like the realistic. But Minnesota was never on the list. Carlton Towns playing power forward just looks even weirder in hindsight. Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland, absolutely Nobody expected that. A lot of people expected the Lakers. A lot of pe- everybody and their mama was talking about the Knicks. Even I thought he was going to be a Nick with a lot of the the rumors we were hearing. He everybody thought he was going to be a Nick. Seventy six years was maybe like the closest. I would even say the closest. Maybe the closest to a quote unquote surprise. But again, that absolutely was not going to happen. Um, there wasn't a whole maybe Atlanta before the Donovan or uh, before the Dejounte Murray thing that might have been an option, but realistically, there wasn't a whole lot out there. Cleveland was not the the destination, especially for what they gave up. I think that was, that was a very anti-Cleveland move, which I think was a is a good thing, obviously. Oh, um, the other two, of course, we talked about. One <laughs> <When> is. <this? laughs> What is Andre Drummond going to Chicago? I'm, yeah, we're going to close that one, bro. That's, we're we Ignore. DeJounte Murray to Atlanta also received 7%. This one is also my favorite. Considering, you know, Detroit has one of the top uh, NBA prospects from this season, you would assume that, you know, potentially they can have some, uh, some, some of year. here. One I was pretty upset about when we'll get, oh, we'll actually get to it first. Who will win rookie of the year? 79% said Paolo Banchero. He is the he is the obvious front runner since Chet Holmgren is uh, out for the season. Keegan Murray at 17%, Jabari Smith at 3%. Totally understand those three being up there. But Jaden Ivey didn't get one vote. One. One vote, not 1%. Not even in the in the also receiving votes category, he didn't get a single vote. That's interesting to me. That the only top five pick in the draft did not get a vote was Jaden Ivey. Just, just my opinion. Just my opinion. Uh, which rookie will be the best player in five years? This one is a little bit interesting. And they had Paulo who had one, and Chad Holmgren slightly behind him at two. Um, Paulo at 31%, Chad Holmgren at 28%, Jaden Ivey at 14 um, uh, Jabari Smith at 14 And uh, Keegan Murray at seven. Basically, the top five picks will be the top top five players in the draft. Also receiving votes, Dyson Daniels from New Orleans, W pick. Um, Benedict Mather from Indiana. This is actually a a, a nice little addition. They said five years ago, people voted Josh Jackson to be the best player of the 2017 draft class, which I guess at this point, Jason Tatum is far and away the best player of the 2017 draft class. (laughs) Josh Jackson being better is hilarious, though. Shout out to Josh Jackson, though, former Detroit Pistons. Which rookie was the biggest steal of the draft? And people listen to me, baby. Jalen Duran at number one. What's R. Eason, of course, from Houston. Which both of them were W picks. Fourteen percent of the vote each. Ten percent with the A.J. Griffin of the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Shaden Sharp, ten percent from the Portland Trailblazers. I don't know how much of a steal se- uh, te- um, the seventh pick is. And so neither is the yeah. Like Shane Sharp, Jaden Ivey, and Keegan Murray weren't quote unquote steals. They were. Both top three top seven picks Jalen Williams to OKC. Um, the J Dub, 20, uh, the, tw- the 12th pick of the draft the guard, also W picks. Um, Jaden Ivy, uh, sorry, Jaden Hardy to Dallas. Sorry, it was a pretty, uh, a nice pick. Tyrese, uh Tyrese Merton, I wouldn't say is uh, in, in, uh, again, Benedict Mathen is not a steal of the draft, he's the sixth pick. To, all right, anyways, Jalen Suggs was also voted number one last year, by the way. <clears throat> Interesting. Who was the best international player in the NBA? Giannis Antetokounmpo. Next, um, most, best international player not in the NBA. You were voting Victor wabayama eighteen years old. Number two, um, Nikola Mirotic, former NBA player, and number three, uh, Vasily, uh, Vasilje Michic, uh, twenty one percent. Also voted uh, Eddie Tavares, former NBA player, and uh, Sa- uh Sasha Vinzenko. I'm gonna be honest, I don't know who that is. Um. Who's the best defensive player in the NBA? Not the defensive player of the year. <laughs> the defensive player of the year actually didn't even get votes. That is crazy. Giannis Antetokounmpo at 48%. Draymond Green at 24%. Rudy Gobert at 10%. Also receiving votes, Bam Adebayo in Miami, Drew Holiday in uh, Milwaukee, Leonard in, in LA, Ben Simmons in Brooklyn. Andrew Wiggins in Golden State got a vote. That's Bob Myers voted. <laughs> Marcus Smart didn't get an, a single vote. Literally. And again, the 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 caption on this picture, Marcus Smart and Draymond Green both rank among the top defenders in the NBA. So how come the top defender, one of the top defenders in the NBA didn't get a vote for best player in it, defensive player in the defensive player name? That is crazy to me. Who's the best perimeter defender? Marcus Smart at 41%, Drew Holiday at 31, Kawhi at 10%, and Mikael Bridges, one of my favorite votes at 7%. Also receiving a vote, Paul George, Ben Simmons, Andrew Wiggins, and that's it. But was the best interior defender in the NBA? Rudy Gobert, next. Yeah, yeah, Giannis 10%, Draymond 7%, but we all know it's good Bear. Most of the versatile defender in the league. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Draymond Green. You're going to see the same answers here. Jaren Jackson Jr. also got a vote, so that's cool. Um, best defensive team in the league, Boston. Next. Like I said, that's that's like the obvious one. Coaches. Best coach in the NBA, Coach Bo. As that's, a usual, that's going to the, the usual, that's gonna be the usual, the usual top five is here. It's coach Bo, Steve Kirk, Greg Popovich, Monty Williams, and Lue. Those are usually the guys. Coach Boone and Taylor Jenkins from uh, Memphis also got a, a vote too, so that's pretty cool. Best head coach is the the which head coach is the best manager motivator in the NBA? Uh, Steph Curry, uh, Steph Curry, bro, Steve Kerr. <laughs> I didn't realize how similar those names was. Anyways, Steve Kerr, thirty eight percent, Monty Williams at twenty eight percent, Coach Spo at fourteen percent. It's going to be the top coach in the league. Willie, Willie Green also received a vote um, from New Orleans, so that's that's cool. Uh, which head coach makes the best in-game adjustments? These three... I don't know why Rick Carlisle is up here. But Tyron Lue, fifty-five percent makes a lot of sense. Um, Nick Nurse at 17%, makes a lot of sense. Coach Bo is 17%, makes a lot of sense. Rick Carlisle receiving a vote, I found was interesting. Chris uh, Finch also receiving votes. Uh, so, nah, I'd say that's a pretty good uh, a pretty good pick, actually. And Jason Kidd in Dallas, of course. thats That was like the big thing that people harped on when he was uh, in their... What was the first one? Utah. When they played Utah in the first one, that was like the big thing. It's like he made he made crazy adjustments in um in the second and third quarter that like kind of turned that series around. Which coach runs the best offense? This should be been hundred percent of the vote. If I'm being honest with you, Steve Curry at number one, 62 percent. The Warriors have like the best system in basketball, and it will never change. That's just that's to be honest. It it, it will never change until Steve Curry decides he wants to hang him up they're going to be the best offense in the league. Chris Finch, Minnesota. Relatively uh a pretty solid. I'd say it's more of a, a talent thing than a coaching thing with that with the that offense. Not that he's in a, he isn't a good coach because he I think he I think he is absolutely a good coach. I think the the offense absolutely ran through the immense talent of both um Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and even D'Angelo Russell being a, a really good game manager at the point guard position also. Bucks Mike Bootenhoser, Nick Nurse in uh, Toronto also. Makes a lot of sense. Oddly enough, Quinn Snyder was, had the best vote last year, 27%. Where? Can I ask that question? Where? That, that's just stupid. Anyways, which head coach has the best defensive schemes? Mike, it's, it's Coach Spill. Let's be honest. Tip, Tom Thibodeau also should have got more percent of the vote, if I'm being honest with you. Um, but yeah, this is, it's, it's, like that, that team is ridiculous on the defensive side of the basketball, um, which new or related head coach will make the biggest impact or new or relocated. I said related Jesus. I can't, I promise you I can read head coach will make the biggest impact, um, on this new team. Darvin Hammett, got 48% of the vote. Guess what? I'm going to be straight up with you. I agree. Darvin Him was one hell of an assistant coach with the Bucks and even with the Hawks too, if I'm being honest. And in the Coach but uh, Coach Bud area. He was one really good assistant. And it was kind of like that guy was like if Mike Budenholzer was like he's he was frustrated, he was the guy to bring the team back in. Mike Brown in Sacramento, I think, would be would absolutely do wonders. And I wouldn't even be surprised if the Kings actually were solid this year. I think they on paper they look good, but it's just the West is so ridiculous. Like it's it's gonna be hard. Charlotte uh, getting uh, Steve Clifford back I thought was one of the more puzzling moves of the offseason is a positive way, I'll put it. I, I I don't see 17%. Will Hardy being a 3% and getting 3% of the vote, W. I'm so glad to, that uh, Will Hardy is getting his, his shine. Bro. I, w- I wish he got more of it, to be honest with you, because I think legitimately he's going to be a turnaround for this team. This team, he's going to be the direct reason this Utah Jazz turned this franchise around in the, in a good way. Who's the best assistant in the NBA? Kenny Atkinson. Next, Charles Lee getting the vote in Milwaukee was also pretty good. Uh, pretty W um, pick two. Surprisingly, Adrian Griffin in Toronto also only got seven seven percent of the vote. That's what's up with that. Ron Adams in Golden State. Malik Allen in Miami. Sam Cassell in Philly. Chris Fleming in Chicago. Alex Jensen in Utah. Igor uh, Kokoslav in, in Brooklyn. And Chris Quinn in Miami. Chris Quinn probably should have got more percentage of the vote for being. Which active player will have the best head be, and make the best head coach? Oh, boy. Chris, uh, Chris Paul, 32% of the vote. Makes sense. I wasn't laughing at that one either. I was laughing at number two, actually, which is Garrett Temple, which, again, Garrett Temple is a high IQ basketball player. It's just funny seeing the name Garrett Temple get 14% of the vote just because, like, nobody's talking about Garrett Temple, but he is actually a very really high IQ basketball player. It's just I wonder how he stayed in the lead this long, at fourteen percent, and then CJ McCollum at seven percent. Totally, Patrick Beverly getting uh, votes is interesting to me. Malcolm Brogdon in Boston, Jalen Brunson, which makes sense because his dad is a coach. Mike Conley, um, Matt Dellavedova, interesting. Uh, Taj Gibson, Draymond Green, Iguodala, Kyle Lowry, TJ McConnell, Pat Mills, and uh, Rajon Rondo, oh, and and Ish Smith also I think is, is a interesting one too. And a bunch of miscellaneous stuff. Which team is the most fun to watch? The Golden State Warriors, fifty-two percent. Again, obvious. The Grizzlies, twenty-eight percent. Brooklyn Nets, ten percent. Also receiving votes: Boston Celtics, Denver Nuggets, Toronto Raptors. I'm sorry, I'm boring y'all with this. Uh, which team has the the best head coach? Uh, best home, uh, best head coach, best home court advantage. These are your usual suspects: Toronto, Boston, Denver, Golden State, Utah, huh? And New York Knicks. Actually, yeah, the Utah, the Utah Jazz one is a little bit puzzling me. But uh, the Miami Heat, Milwaukee Bucks, and 76ers also for Seavos. Which team will have the most efficient offseason this season? Efficient offense this season? Golden State Warriors. Again, that's kind of obvious. Which team's level of this season is toughest to predict? This is interesting. 32% say the Brooklyn Nets. I thought the Lakers would have been number one, but the, apparently Brooklyn is, is tough to, to talk about. I think they're definitely a play-in at minimum team, playoff team. Again, a contender is... So a long ways away from a contender, but for sure, I'm not like too. I'm not too upset that that Kevin Durant is. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and um, the good bench. It's tough to predict. The Lakers are definitely a team to tough to predict because Anthony's health, uh, Anthony Davis's health is so unpredictable. LeBron James being thirty eight is so unpredictable. Will Russell Westbrook get traded? That's very unpredictable. Um, that's that's a very unpredictable team. Ha- will any any of the nine people, that new people that they brought into this organization, would they be uh like it's just uh like it's a very, very interesting uh it's this it's an interesting team to try to predict. I'm gonna be honest, like this this team is is wildly predict unpredictable. They could be a four seed, they could be a thirteen seed. That there's no in between with the Lakers. Which team has the most promising young core? hey when I saw this, this I, I saw this on, uh, on on the timeline just because, you know, I follow a couple of Pistons fan pages. When I saw this on the timeline, I genuinely was not mad at it. 41% Cavs, Grizzlies, 38%, and then the Pistons at 3 with 10%. Genuinely, I was not upset about this because Cleveland and Memphis are teams that are, like, legit, like, you can pencil them in as a playoff team, and then here's lowly Detroit, you know, 14 seed last year, 13 seed, I believe, actually. Last year, like we were this. This is a pretty, pretty interesting team to to try and figure out. In all honesty, like we have an elite level young core, but the Cavs have the best backcourt in the, in the league potentially, and two of the best young bigs in the league. And of course, Memphis, you know, they got an MVP candidate last year in John Moran and a bunch of hosts of guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. Bam, um, I said Bam, of, oh God, Desmond Payne. I need a nap, y'all. Desmond Bain, Dyer Williams, you know, the, the Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark. They have a, a pretty good host of young uh, young talent on the team. And they drafted a bunch of people this year that I think will contribute. Kennedy Chandler, uh, David Roddy, Jake Laveria. I think this is a a pretty interesting young core in Memphis also. And then, like I said, there's uh, New Orleans there, which I guess Zion still can I'm not counting Brandon Ingram as a young core. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I can't. I cannot say that Brandon Ingram is a young core guy. He's in year, what, seven at this point? He's not young. He's 26, going on 27. Let's 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 stop this. OKC, okay, legitimately, everybody on that team, literally every player on that team not named uh, Mike Muscala, is young. So, yeah, that makes sense. And then Orlando Magic, they have a, a whole host of yeah, guys on that team. Which player is most athletic? John Morant probably is going to get that answer. Um, also, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Anthony Edwards, Zion Williamson, and three percent of the vote. LeBron James. This is interesting. Best shooter in the league, Steph, Clay, Katie. Those are your two answers, or your three answers. Let's be honest. But Steph is number one by far. Which player is the fastest with the ball? Hey, Ish Smith should have got some some love on this. If Ish Smith got uh, it was good enough to be a head coach, he should be on this list for uh, for fastest player with the ball in his hand. John Murray and De'Aaron Fox. Definitely deserves some love. Giannis Antetokounmpo as well. Tyrese Maxey for sure. Mitch Smith should have got a little bit of love though. Play uh, which player is the is, is the best at moving without the ball? Again, Steph Curry is like the. Mikael Bridges got votes. I found interesting, and Luca also got votes, which is very interesting because I don't remember a single Dallas Mavericks possession with Dallas uh, with Luca doesn't have the ball in his hand. So y- you're gonna have to explain that one to me, Chief. But yeah, Steph, Clay, Mikael sort of interesting to answer but who's the best player in the or best passer in the league? Nikola Jokic 72 percent. Hey, I'm going to be uh on my Nikola Jokic uh, uh narrative this year, man. I'm going to I'm going to definitely be I'm going to be pushing that narrative real real hard this year so get ready for the season, y'all. Best leader, Chris Paul. Most versatile, Giannis. Which player has the best uh basketball IQ? LeBron and Jokic, LeBron Jokic and Steph, or, sorry, and Chris Paul are usually your top three. Um, which player would uh would you want taking a, a shot with the game on the line? Steph Curry received fifty five percent of the vote. Um, uh, sure. What rule reg- regarding play schedule, draw lot, yada yada yada, most needs change. Coach challenge automatic reviews and in, uh, including keeping challenge of six out. I found that interesting. Yeah, de- definitely keeping the challenge for sure free agency before the draft definitely should be a, a, something that, that they should incorporate from the NFL. Like, like, why not? If you can get your big name free agent, then you build it the draft. Like that's, that's like kind of how it should work. Like so it is so backwards to have the draft right before free agency. But again, that's just, a, that might just be a me thing though. Mandatory draft medical uh, information. I, again, I'm a little bit, Again, this is GMs voting this, so it makes sense that they want this. I'm I'm a little bit on the fence about it, only because it's like it's it, I'm I'm all I'm 115 percent all about player empowerment, but like it, it is kind of like, like in the Chet Home I think it was Chet Homers case where he didn't give Orlando his his uh his draft his medical record, like the, like you know if if Orlando wants and sees you as a talent, even if you don't want to go to Orlando. Then uh, it's it's a it's a murky situation. I'm gonna be honest with you. Definitely a murky situation. Um, mandatory or sorry, uh, lottery lottery odds. Uh, I don't see. I, like I said I, I like the lottery where it is. It feels unpredictable. To be honest with you, um, playoff for uh format including no play in if the ninth seed too far back. Again. I'm on the fence about it because I understand the top eight teams should be in the playoffs. Like, there's no reason. Like, like, in Cleveland's case last year, seventh seed that didn't get to make the playoffs only because of of basically they had to play the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the playoffs or starting the first round of the play in. They were a team that was good enough to make the playoffs, and one game should not be the deciding factor of whether they should make the play in a playoffs or not. It's a it's a, a weird concept. Um I don't I, like this one. I don't really understand the Elam e- ending. This more more leeway for defense, fewer fouls, or eliminate the defense of three seconds. Packing the paint, I feel like is uh that that's such a, a backwards thing because every team in the league can shoot threes. Why would you want to pack? You know, or whatever. <laughs> and the schedule, I feel like this they they've tried their best with the schedule at least. Also, receiving those luxury tax um. Uh, own draft Supermax player player, oh, own drafted Supermax player. So like, if who's who would I put in this in this scenario? Like, like the Cavs would have been able to to own the rights to LeBron James for the for the rest of his career. I feel like that, that been, I know, that's that might have been. that sounds a little bit dramatic to be honest. One free throw attempt for all trips to the free throw line. Agreed, it's such a, and that's why I love the G. Like one of the things I love about the G League is that it's so free flowing like one trip to the free throw line, one free throw counts for three points or one free throw counts for two points. That it it makes sense. Like I said, it, you don't have to spend 25 minutes at the free throw line so you don't get Giannis Antetokounmpo in the 2021 playoffs where they're just counting down his free throws for 50 minutes. Like that like that's it that it just a it's it's a lot more free flowing. Um no divisions. Uh. Dude, I, it feels it like it's i like the i like the divisions only cuz you can you can like just separate, separate separating teams i think it'd be like obviously the divisions don't matter like you used to where it's like if you won a division you automatically get into the playoffs like i think it's i think it's perfect you could just keep it the way it is and uh, somebody said nothing okay whatever um last year was transition take fouls which they changed and you can see uh where that's gone it's, it's better, honestly. I'm going to be honest with you. But yeah, um, those are all of them. Uh, God, if you stuck <laughs> if you stuck to this point of the episode, we're what, an hour in? Just this last 25 minutes was just me talking about the surveys. But if you stuck around, you are honestly the GOAT and you deserve all the love in the world and I hope you make a million dollars. So on and so forth. But if you missed the previous 150 three episodes of the Zay Coleman podcast. I'm forgetting my own notes here. You can check them out on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and of course right here on Anchor. Until next time, I love you. You love me. Let's love each other, man. Goodbye.